Right, Genesis chapter 5, uh, beginning with verse 1. Uh, hear the word of God. This is the book of the generations of Adam. God created man. He made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them. And he blessed them and named them man when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. The days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years. He had sons and daughters. That's all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. Seth had lived, uh, when Seth had lived 105 years, he fathered Enosh. Seth lived after he fathered Enosh 807 years and had other sons and daughters. That's all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he fathered Canaan. Nosh lived after he fathered Canaan 815 years and had other sons and daughters. That's all the days of Nosh were 905 years, and he died. When Canaan had lived 70 years, he fathered Mahalel. Canaan lived after he fathered Mahalel 840 years and had sons and daughters. <coughs> uh, thus, all the days of Mahalel were 895 years, and he died. When Jared had lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch. Jared lived after he fathered Enoch 800 years and had other sons and daughters. That's all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he followed Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Because all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not. God took him. When Methuselah had lived 187 years, he fathered Lamech. Methuselah lived after he fathered Lamech 782 years and had other sons and daughters. That's all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son and called his name Noah, saying, Out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. Lamech lived after he fathered Noah 595 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Lamech were 777 years, and he died. After Noah was 500 years old, Noah fathered Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Going a little bit. Uh, when man began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, and the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive, and they took as their wives any they chose. The Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterwards, when the sons of God came into the daughters of man, and they were born to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth. It grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heaven, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Grass withers and the flower fades, uh, but the word of the Lord endures uh, forever. That's right, it would in our hearts as well. This is an amazing uh, narrative we just read. 
that's kind of maybe a little bit slow. You kind of you know, what, what do you? But I think there's an amazing, uh, amazing things to it. That in three or four, how long did it take to read? Like three or four minutes, something like that. In three or four minutes, we covered like a millennium and a half. If you're adding up like all the numbers there, something like that, a millennium and a half, and like the, that's being concise. If you want concise, like just get me through it, man, millennium and a half, right? Um, and for that more than 1,600 plus years, if you're adding up those numbers, uh, humanity uh, continues in an expectant faith, looking, looking for God's promises at the end. You still hear Lamech saying, maybe in Noah, here's some relief of the curse that God will be bringing to us. Uh, ultimately waiting for a coming rescue of, of, of the Messiah, who ultimately is Jesus. There's, there's a patience there exhibiting. That faith continues over more than a millennium and a half, I say, if you add up the numbers. So we tend to have a hard time just, just waiting for the weekend, right? It's like Thursday, you got maybe a couple more classes tomorrow, another you know paper or something to turn in, and then this the weekend. Or like from Monday on, we're like, you know, some of y'all have the weekend countdown going like every week, or we've gotten the spring break countdown. But I know once you come back from spring break, you're gonna have like the summer countdown. Oh, you're just waiting for it. I mean, we've got a hard time kind of waiting for things sometimes. Um, what, if, what if I told you that something really important, uh, something really important even for you, something really important for, for you, your future, is going to happen? It's going to happen in like more than a millennium and a half from now. And because it's so significant, um, I want you to be part of that and to spend your, your life kind of pursuing and expecting that event. Uh, story here. I'm kind of waiting for the weekend. You're, you're talking like that's a little far off. I don't. I'm not, not going to make it there. What, what's, the, what's the point of it, right? Um, maybe to give a, a little bit of perspective, right? Since we we know our history and all. Like if you go if you go backwards, like a millennium and a half or, or, or more, like like the Roman Empire. I don't know what the who the Caesar, you know, emperor uh, emperor of Rome. Maybe someone can tell me on like uh, the, the the late. Fourth century or whatever, that would have been like the time. It'd be like someone then saying, "Hey, you, uh, you person who's in the in the Roman Empire, there's got to be this country coming uh, a long time from now where there'll be democracy and freedom, and you'll be able to call people on little little boxes that you can hold in your hand and talk to people across the world and like surf the internet. <laughs> and you got to keep working toward this this thing happening. Just just keep going in it, right? Like." I don't know what you're talking about. This is it's way far off. This text is showing us uh, faith continuing, an expectant faith and a patient faith continuing for like a millennium and a, and a half or more if you're, if you're adding up the numbers. And I think we're going to be just kind of an impatient culture, the now culture. You know, some people have said we don't, we don't really understand delayed gratification. It's going to be really good if we anticipate and wait for it. I mean, just give it to me. <laughs> right, we're, we're ready for it. Um, uh, even the small things are really that way. We tend to think of something, if something that we need, if something that we want um, is, seems kind of far off, further off than the weekend or the next hour or so, um, then we've got to make this thing work some other way. Right? Our, our tendency is either to do one of two things. We're going to try to track this through uh, in the message. Our tendency is if we can't get what we want now and we feel like we need it is either to either just give up wanting it I don't know. Let me go find something else. This doesn't seem worth it. I can't have it. If it's that far off, it's not worth pursuing. It's not worth it. Either we give up or we just kind of force it. 
Right? We, we force ourselves. We, maybe we can make it happen, or we think we can make it happen, or we put everything into manipulating it so that it's at least close enough for, for us to feel like we're, we're making it happen. We just kind of pretend that we've, we've found it. We, we, either, we tend to either give up or to, or to force it ourselves. Um, uh, so as we go through this, I want, you, I want you to just kind of ask yourself, when do you tend to, tend to give up? You're not a quitter. I'm not saying you're a quitter. You've got great perseverance. Stay at. Um, but, but when is it that you tend to just, just back off? It doesn't seem worth it. Uh, when do you tend to give up? When do you tend to force it? Maybe it's not there, but you want it to be there, and you just you got to make it happen. You're, you can't take the weight of it, and you're, you're, you're pushing into it. When do you tend to force it? Um, and is it worth continuing uh, to expect and hope for more? Uh, for more than you have now? For more than what you're experiencing? Uh, for more than, than the world now, what it has to offer? Even to continue to expect and hope more uh, for what the gospel, or what Christ offers to us in the gospel? Um, but I want us to look at this in, in two, um, two sides. Um, first, kind of just looking at the, at the text and then kind of bringing it back out to the, to the rest of life. Um, first, not giving up and not forcing the, the text. And here's where I want to be doing a little bit more uh, teaching. I want you to kind of come in and see if we can just gain a little bit of understanding of, of this passage. Bring you, uh, bring you into the kitchen, see the ingredients in the process. Bring you into the, the, the shop and see the, see the tools and the steps to, uh, to get it done. Uh, so I'm mainly going to teach it, but I want you to think of it this way too. How you tend to respond to a passage like this um, is probably, or at least might be, revealing of uh, your tendencies in a lot of other things. Right? Like it's typically you do when you're reading through the Bible. Let's just say you're like, it's your resolution, I'm going to start reading through the Bible. You pick Genesis, it was going along all right, and you got to chapter 5. Mahalalalahu, right? You're, uh, these are just numbers. How'd they live that long? What's going on? Skip, skip, right? Like, like just kind of get, get past it. Maybe just kind of give up on it. And you say, you know what? I don't know what to do with this. I'm just kind of jumping down to, okay, chapter six. We get back into a little bit of stuff happening, right? Um, if that's your tendency to do it, then the major tendency is just kind of to, to give up in, in some other areas. Maybe you're the person that's like, I don't know what to do with this. Huh? Okay, what can I find in this? And you start kind of trying to find some kind of really significant thing in the text. And you're like, oh, this person's name. I found some commentary that said that the name meant this thing. And, and so then you're kind of you're working through, like, you're adding up all the numbers and um, trying to make it really significant. And maybe, that, maybe your tendency is to, to kind of force things, uh, right, more than they're there. But we don't want to, we don't want to make the text more, uh, uh, we don't want to make the text unimportant because... God's given it to us. He thought it was important enough to, to include, but we don't want to uh, overstate its importance or the way that it's important. Um, so first I want to just show you some things that the text is not. When you're looking at this text or you're reading it on your own, you come into it and say, what do I do with this? Um, well, it's not for just kind of skipping over because it's worthless. It's not for making it overly significant, but uh, a few things that it's not. Um, it, it's not for, for like Bible trivia knowledge. If you ever play like the Bible trivia knowledge, I mean, who's the seventh son from Adam on Seth's side? Huh? 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 <laughs> Do you don't know? Right? Uh, um, or uh, or who, who in the Bible lived the longest number of years? You know, I mean, like, I remember that one from Sunday school somewhere. You know, who's the one? 900. How long do you live? Anyone? See? If you weren't paying attention closer. This is, that's not what it's about, right? It's not for, for Bible uh, trivia. 
Uh, stuff. It's not to calculate the age of the earth, history of, of, the, of the world that way, scientific history. Uh, some of y'all know uh, uh, Bishop James Usher, uh, whenever he was, like, he went through the text and like, calculated all these things, and according to his calculations, uh, the, the, God created the world in 4004 B.C. on October 23rd. thought you wanted to know that. Uh, uh, I don't think that's really the, the, uh, the case. It's certainly, once you see this, that's not the point of the text. It's not why God gave it to us. That's not what he was wanting us to get out of it. Here's this calculation we can make, and maybe we know. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think with a lot of other things that, that God's given us. Um, it's not, if you, if you read it, it's going to be like devotionally uplifting. What passage were you reading this morning? Well, I, I kind of spent, you know, uh, 15 minutes just meditating on uh, um, Genesis 5-9. When Enoch should live 90 years, he fathered Canaan. I haven't lived 90 years yet, but I should, you know, like, um, or, or you're looking at Methuselah, like Methuselah lived a long life, uh, be like Methuselah. How do, I, how do I do that? What is that? Right, it's, not the, it's not the point of the section. That's how we're supposed to uh, use it. Um, uh, it's not there for you to kind of decode its secrets. You can figure this out. I mean, what are all these numbers after their names for how long that they, that they lived? I mean, can anyone actually live that long? See, it's probably if you take the numbers and correspond those to the Hebrew alphabet, each number represents a different uh, letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and you put that together, form certain words, and there's a secret message. No, not going to happen. But did you notice how long Lamech lived? 707. Seven, seven. Right? That's what this text is about. We've got to bring it to Revelation and the conscience. No. Right? Um, a lot of times we're so certain from what do we do with a text like this that we start grasping for, for stuff. Um, if no one's decoded it yet, um, you know, in the half hour that you're spending in the morning, you're you're probably not going to decode the text. That's not what it's for, though. Um, it's not just kind of another example of uh, uh, ancient Near Eastern literature, genealogy lists. There's these other really cool lists that uh, have similarities to it, but it's also a lot different. Um, what it is, is it's a genealogy, and you should read it like a genealogy. Um, genealogies are a bit boring. They're kind of dry. Um, you know, my, my grandmother got in very into genealogies and they went and researched stuff and she's got something on her wall and I've looked at the wall of like the people, I don't know what it was, I still don't remember like the names that are on there and she started talking to me about all of it and just the list of how long my ancestors lived. It wouldn't be her falling asleep in the chair, I'd be falling asleep in the chair, right? Um, it's not, it's not exciting, it's not uplifting and just encouraging kind of for your morning devotions reading it. Find a reason more. What does it do? It's a genealogy, and it's there to do this. It's there to connect narratives. That's what it does. It's connecting the narrative from the, uh, you know, the, the first, these are the generations of the heaven and earth, and Adam and Eve, and the fall, and the curse, and Cain and Abel to connect that with with Noah, uh, with the flood, and the things that come after that, and the, and the rest of Scripture along with it. These genealogies are brought up in other places again in Scripture. The same genealogy is, is carried, uh, carried forward. It, it's connecting uh, the narratives. It's connecting it for over a millennia and a half, if you're adding up the numbers. Um, and it, so, so by doing that, it's extending the plot uh, and advancing, uh, advancing the narrative, advancing the truth of it, of this connection. That, that's what it's doing. Um, 
So, basic rule in interpretation, whenever you're coming to a passage, one of the things you should have in mind when you're looking at it is, is text and context. See how it's nice to say that and come up with that's an old rule for interpreting passages. You look at the text itself and you say, well, what's the context of the things around it and how do those things uh, come together? Basic rule of interpretation. So you start looking at the details of, the, of this text. It's a genealogy. And as a genealogy, there's a pattern to it, right? You kind of hear it in my voice as I'm reading again. You're like, I don't know, it's a different name this time, but it sounds like it's saying the same thing, right? There's a couple times you're like, hey, that was a little bit different. Something else is added on there. But there's a pattern that continues, and there's, there's a few places where the pattern is, is different. You, you pay attention to those changes. It's not just for, for variety. Uh, three different, uh, different things to the pattern uh, in the text. Right, the first was in the very first uh, statement in verse 3 about Adam. It's, it's begun saying that, uh, that humanity, Adam and Eve, were created in the image of God, and then as Adam has a son, Seth, he, he's made an Adam's image, an Adam's likeness. Right? Um, so two things that you're getting for that. They're like, okay, this, this image of God, this great position of reflecting God's glory and there's this role of, uh, of living according to, to the to person that we're reflecting, um, uh, that this privileged status uh, is conveyed to Adam's descendants, to his sons. You kind of get this whole idea of sonship in it, the, the son of God. Um, and it's carried on, but he's also they're not just made in, in God's image, but in Adam's image, in a corrupted, uh, sinful sense. Um, the second thing you get a little bit later when you get to, to Enoch, and he died, and he died, and he died. God, and he was not. God took him uh, because, he, because he walked with God. Right? There's this different thing. What's it telling you? That there's some kind of, there's an intimate fellowship that Enoch had with God that's, that's still after the fall, after sin, after the curse, I still is able to continue. In the context, Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden in the cool of the, cool of the day, uh, and now it says here Enoch is, after the fall, still in intimate fellowship with God. That by God's grace, he's provided this way for us to still have a close relationship with him. Him uh, uh, bringing us out of that, out of that sin and even out of uh, rescuing from death in a sense there. And the last one is when it comes to uh, Lamech uh, speaking of his his son, uh, Noah, the name that he gives him, Noah uh, kind of uh, sounds the same. He means a Hebrew word for, for rest, and he defines that uh, saying, um, uh, uh, saying in verse 28, uh, name Noah, out of the ground that the Lord is cursed, this shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of his hands. He's experiencing the, the curse that the previous chapters have talked on, but he's looking for relief from it. Uh, that's been the way the narrative has, has been going, been pointing this to. They're hoping for, for rescue from the curse. Um, I know I'm kind of moving through that stuff fast. So if, you're, if you're just following, what, what I said was, you're reading the genealogy, but there's details that, that don't fit that pattern, so you pay attention to those and say, oh, well, what's the significance of, of these? All right, that's, that's the text, but then you also want to bring that into the, the context. Right? Context of the surrounding chapters in Genesis, that book, and then the, the rest of the Bible. Um, he kind of particularly one of the things that, that's coming out, you got the context from Genesis 1.28, after he's created humanity, and he gives what's oftentimes called a creation mandate. He says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. That's the, uh, that's the role that God's given to humanity for him to be, to be doing. That's what our lives are to be about. That's our purpose for God's glory, uh, being fruitful, multiplying, and, and ruling over the, uh, the world, right? Um, and, and so you got a genealogy. What's happening? 
They're being fruitful and multiplying. Uh, right? This is what's happening the, uh, as, they're, as they're fathering children. Um, they're, uh, they're being fruitful and multiplying, continue to, to fill out uh, filling out the filling out the earth, filling out this uh, this command that God's God's given. <laughs> uh, continue to see some of the some of the rule in that. It's kind of interesting. There's a contrast, also kind of context with Cain's line uh, uh, previously. There's a lot of similarities in the genealogy that then comes down to like the uh, the last section of it is, is three sons. Same thing with Noah and then his three sons. You see that again in Genesis 11. There's these uh, contrasts and, and parallels and Cain's. Son, still though, but from the sinful line of Cain, extending God's rule. Right? Uh, my, my favorite is, is Jubal, who it says uh, makes uh, the, the father of, because he's the first one to make the, uh, um, the, the lyre and the pipe. Stringed instruments and wind instruments have their roots in the line of Cain and, and, and Jubal. Right? He's extending this reign that was given in the, in the uh, creation mandate out. In this context, you're seeing these things are still. Still happening, being uh, being fulfilled a little bit. Um, <laughs> in the context of the curse, and the aid of the fruit, they were warned beforehand and told afterwards that you will surely die. And what's the phrase like you heard every time except for Enoch? And he died. And he died. And he died. And he died. Um, <clears throat> and if the, the numbers are, are, are given to us just in terms of an accuracy of here's their life and what's happened, that Man, I'm sure for um, Seth and Anosh and Kenan and Mahalel and however many of them all the way up till, till the end of the uh, 930 years when Adam died, that was, that was hard. And, and these deaths uh, continuing, continue to be uh, happening. It's what we're, we're used to. But death's not natural. It's part of the, part of the curse of, of sin and fall. Um, um, and so you kind of see from the, from the context some of those things and the significance of it. Listen, if you're kind of studying on your own, one of the things you do is you, uh, if you have a Bible that has little like, notes on it and then it references other Bible passages, like cross-references, it's going to help you just kind of get that context and say, oh, what are these other passages connecting with it? And the text and the context, but within that context, there's also a, uh, a direction of the text, Right? There's a trajectory of it, a, a way that it's heading, a movement. Um, scripture is constantly advancing uh, toward a goal uh, that it's showing us. Um, so, so even this genealogy, as it's connecting these two narratives, what it's doing is uh, <clears throat> it's advancing the plot. Because what it's doing is advancing history, this whole period, right? And so it's advancing history uh, to the rescuer to the Messiah, uh, to its Savior, to the one whom Scripture says all history is about, all history is focused in Christ and the redemption that he brings. So as it moves forward, even in genealogy, that's the direction of it, that's the movement of it, that's how it's advancing. Um, if you were really following along with a lot of the cross-references, you take these genealogies, you see they come again a little bit later in, uh, in Genesis, they occur some other places in Scripture, like, uh, uh, like Chronicles 1 and 2, is kind of bringing these genealogies further, uh, time and then from uh, all the way back from Adam all the way to uh, David. And then you come to a passage in the New Testament, and what does it do? Uh, you know, Luke 3 it's, uh, uh, takes Jesus' genealogy, Luke 3 from verse 23 to 38, um, and it brings Jesus' genealogy back from, from Joseph all the way through through David, 
Chronicles uh, passage, all the way through here to these names written again, uh, to Adam, the, the son of God, the son, uh, the son of Adam, the son of God, it ends with. As Jesus talked to himself as the, the son of God in its ultimate sense, you're, it's bringing out for us that's fullness. Right before that, Jesus was baptized and a voice comes down from heaven saying, you are my beloved son, with whom I'm well pleased. And there follows this genealogy that ends the son of Adam, the son of God. Here has come Jesus as this follower who is now uh, exemplifying that, that privileged status that he has a right to as the Son of God who's in uh, God's image, who's doing what we uh, were not able to do. He's, he's filling out uh, fully. He completes that role of sonship, of the human image of God, and, and restores us to it, the way the rest of Scripture. I know that's like a lot further on, but this text has a movement in that direction. The genealogies continue to take up and move it in that direction, in a Christ-gospel-focused direction. Jesus says the whole Bible uh, is about him. It is all history is. Um, the, the Enoch having this uh, walking with God, that, that's a, a trajectory through Scripture on these things you'd see, and Elijah later, but you see the fullness of that fellowship in, in Christ. Uh, in, in his life, even through his death, the resurrection is more significant for him and for us. Rescue from death and rescue from the sin uh, around us. It brings into ultimate and complete fullness of fellowship with God. And Jesus restores us to that fellowship. And we have hope of it and fullness uh, through him. Uh, Noah, who's going to give rest from the curse in part, um, right, Jesus gives rest from the curse in a deeper and fuller sense. At the end of Matthew uh, 11, he says, my yoke is easy uh, and my burden is light. Uh, He says, I will give rest for your souls. Uh, And the ultimate rest is promised in Scripture, paradise are restored. There's there's an advancement of the text in in this direction throughout the whole uh, of Scripture. Um, that, that the, what it's focused on now has been, a, been accomplished in Christ's death and resurrection. We're waiting for the, for the fullness of it, the finality of Christ's return, the consummation of it. Uh, so, so Hebrews, about this hall of faith, it mentions Enoch. And it says, it says by faith, Enoch, please God, it was taken, taken up with God the way it, the way it describes it. It's, it's faith that he was exhibiting and in looking to God that we're still called to. It, it says about all these people that it names that they didn't receive the promises. They were waiting for a long time. And, and all they were able to do, it wasn't seen, was, was trust and reliance on God. And then it says, now let us run with endurance the race set before us, with our eyes set upon Christ. So we're engaged in that same faith of looking forward to Christ's return and the full fulfillment of these things. Right? Um, not giving up on and not forcing the text. Um, I know that's a lot to, to follow if you're just you know, sitting here listening to me going through all this. Uh, I hope it doesn't make it seem like, look how good I am at interpreting Scripture. Hopefully, uh, it's kind of my job and so to do that at least a little bit. Um, but, but this also took me a while to work through and say, what are these things? Right? Um, and part of me wanted to go, should I preach on Genesis 5 or just skip on over this? I could spend a few different times in the flood and that would be good. I could have done that. It would have been fine. Uh, but, but it's worth looking at. If you're working through a passage like this, you're not just going to all of a sudden you read it and then, hmm, let's see how all these things have this trajectory toward Christ and it's telling me that he gives rest for my soul. Uh, yeah. but don't give up on it. 
first time you read it and go, man, Mahahu? Um, skip on down, right? Um, but don't force it and say, here, I can just make it mean what I, this thing would be encouraging, it must mean that. Um, even for this text, it takes a, a patience, expectation of a belief of God that his word actually is good, uh, that it's worthwhile and beneficial for us, and so, but then taking according to what it is and saying, then how does it, how does it do that? How is it, how is it showing us these things? How is it helpful to us? Um, not in that exciting, encouraging way, but in a genealogical account of how long they lived and people that they gave birth to and when they died. Um, but, but again, you can kind of you know, take these things and start to see you know, you know, themes to it. Despite the curse and death, there's reason to hope in God's promises and reason to work toward the advancement of his kingdom, especially after uh, Christ's death and resurrection. We now have even more confidence resting something been done in the past and just waiting for the, for the fullness of it. And we're to continue with this fullness of, of uh, faithfulness and hope in God's, God's promises. It's expectant, patient faith. Right? That's what I'm trying to talk about this passage. It's showing us and calling us to an expectant, uh, not, not giving up on, but also a patient, not forcing uh, faith. Um, so again, like how you tend to approach this passage might let you know how you tend to approach other things in life. If you tend to just kind of give up on it, if you tend to force it, uh, or how much you take time to kind of patiently, expectantly uh, work through it. Other things will show your tendencies as well. Um, so then just take a, a little bit of time on, and mainly want to just be teaching some of those things, but also uh, not giving up or forcing the, the text and not giving up or forcing the kingdom. That's what the text is, is about, calling us to this uh, expectant, patient faith, right? If these guys, uh, the passage mentioned, had, had given up, and they would have, like, stopped being fruitful and multiplying, and, like, none of the rest of us would exist, Right? Um, if they'd given up on the, this call of God in relationship with him that he's continuing to offer, and what you see at the end of Genesis 6, there's no, uh, there's no, and Noah wasn't perfect, or, or but, but these men are still continuing to, we certainly see in Enoch, uh, desiring fellowship with God, wanting intimacy with him. You see that in Noah, you see his, his faith still in hearing God's command and trying to put that into practice. Um, there's, if, and if they weren't doing that, then, they're, then the flood would have just destroyed everything. Right? No us, no Christ, no, no salvation. Noah found grace still, still pursuing God. Uh, by grace, God continued them in the past. He continued from them, that faith, on to Jesus uh, and, and since Jesus for, what now, like almost a couple millennia. Uh, and that faith is continuing to look for Christ's return, uh, to carry us forward in it. Um, so, so we have the experience, like, just your life, all of it is lived in the experience of the curse, of the sin and misery of it, and, and uh, wanting and longing and needing something more. Um, I know your life is pretty good. <laughs> you want more than that. Uh, all of us are kind of hoping just, there's more than just these things that we're, we're longing for that fullness. Um, it says he's coming soon. We're also not sure when that, when that is. And we're waiting for that return, waiting for that consummation. How are you respond to it if you wait? Man, I don't know when Jesus is coming back. We've <laughs> got the countdown to the weekend going. Um, there's some fun stuff that I can enjoy this weekend. And that's what my hope is in right now. 
That's what I'm looking for. That's this is the rest that I need. Good to have a little rest. There's other rest, <laughs> right? But well, we start giving up on that hope and saying, "Man, I'm pursuing these other things." Um, that's you know, the satisfaction that Christ brings in the relationship and fellowship with God, and a lot of other things we feel like are going to offer satisfaction that we're pursuing. You know, that's, you know, just, even though that's just like your, your your career and your goals and the life that you plan for yourself, you're kind of beginning to force force that satisfaction for yourself, right? I'm going to make sure I get an A in every class and anyone stands in my way like I'm, I'm pushing aside because I've got to be at the top of this so I get into the top thing so I get the right job and have the right family live in the right place and, and you're just trying to force your satisfaction and salvation now. Maybe I have different, different ways of, of doing it. Just one example. Um, sometimes we're just kind of selling for less or growing lazy and, and actually pursuing God or actually continuing to hope in the promises or actually reading through the Bible when it has boring genealogies and part of it. Why would God give us that? Right? It's, I need something more encouraging now. Um, or sometimes we take in the self-righteous accomplishment of we need something that, that we can do, something that we've, we've uh, uh, built up that was, that was bringing this, that's showing me the signs that this is going to happen. And we're just kind of pretending that, we've, that we're enough or that we've done enough or that we can bring it about. Um, even when it comes to things just like the, the process of salvation, um, of God working us through the, through the Spirit, calling us, but sometimes you're here and you're like, I don't know what the guy front's talking about. And he was supposed to like say all this and help us understand the text. And I'm still like, what are you talking about? I, I don't get it. I don't understand this Christianity thing. I don't understand why other people who stand next to me seem to be excited when we're singing and stuff. And that's not where, where I am or where my heart is. And Timothy just to give up on it. Right? Or maybe I just need to go find something else. It, it hasn't made sense to me. It hasn't come completely. It hasn't encouraged me. It hasn't encouraged me lately. Or the other side of it is like, well, the person next to me seems excited. I'm going to seem excited too. Um, right? Other people are going to do this. Well, those are the things I did. And we're just going to kind of make ourselves the Christian, make ourselves fit in with the people around us, act like them, fit into it as if we're, we're doing it. Uh, well, in sanctification, am I growing? Am, am I growing as a believer? Am I growing enough? How do I, how do I see that process? I just give up on it because I'm, I just start to see the ways that I've messed up more. The, the more I learn the Bible, the more I'm like, I'm not there yet. Give up on it. But we create a self-righteousness of, yes, here's this list, and I've checked it off, and I'm actually better than most people around me. Except for that humility thing, right? Um, my efforts at evangelism, is that enough? Oh, man, I'm going to be the master of evangelism. I've read all these things, and I'm doing all these, talking to all these people. I was just constantly, daily in life, waiting for God's help and God's provision. Do we just can't see it happening? Do we give up? If we can't see it happening, do we do we force it? All uh, right, when you're when you're looking for the job, uh, some of you when you're waiting to hear from the grad school, you know things. Are you, are you in? Where's that going to go? Um, do you get the internship? Do, do the people that you're around uh, work with you? Are you going to find the right person? Uh, the, the 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 right match for you? Uh, someone that's, that's going to be your your companion, your your partner, your your soulmate, someone that you're going to end up with and marrying. Can you give up on it? Make it work. Whatever you find. Um, closer friendships uh, that you long for. When are people going to really want to get to know you? Just back away from everybody. 
or just like going to make it seems like everything's fine, or that, or just wanting and needing acceptance or approval, or we're trying to we want and need peace in our life instead of just kind of panic or joy instead of depression and, and hope instead of uh, despair. Um, the King has come. Uh, the King Jesus has come. He has accomplished the salvation, the rescue that the whole of Scripture, the whole of history has been pointing to. He has, he has experienced it for us, the curse and fullness on the cross. Uh, the condemnation for it was taken, the judgment, the penalty of it. Um, and he is raised from the dead as righteous, reigning as our King, having made promises to us of salvation in, of fellowship with God, of future and of hope, and giving us himself and his spirit now. Like God's love has been poured out into our hearts, it says, through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. We've given that experience of it in part. Uh, now the King has come and called you into his kingdom. But man, it still sometimes seems a, seems a long way away. Not graspable. Um, this text calls us into a expectant and a patient of faith in Christ's promises and the gospel, uh, even if it's toward another millennia and a half. Yeah, I don't know. There are some things that you can force. Some things that you can force that you can that you can make happen. Uh, if you just kind of go ahead and put yourself into it, right? I'm out there like taking my soccer class this year, and it's, I see guys like force it all the time. Like some guys they know they're how to play soccer well and they like dribble around folks, pass back and forth a couple times until they're close to the goal and then it's a, like it's a sure shot. And some other guys they get the ball and it's like twenty five yards out. And they're like, I don't know, hit it fast and boom, I kick all the way and then most time it's like sailing way past the goal and someone has to run and get it and but but sometimes right that kick goes in. Now, there's something that you can force. You put all that in there's gonna be something that comes uh, comes out of it. Um, when it comes to the gospel and God's kingdom, it's not going to happen. It's beyond us. It's not what we're able to do. Genesis 6, 5, the later part that we read, uh, that the man was evil from his youth. Uh, every inclination of his heart was only evil continually. <laughs> we will bring salvation out of our only evil continually heart, thoughts, and actions. Um, I'm not able to force uh, the kingdom. Uh, only, only God can, and Christ can, but he's already done it. And done it for us. There's some things that you should give up on. Uh, you know, some maybe standards that you've set or someone else says, it's, it's not the right standard, not the right thing to be pursuing. Um, there's no reason for us to give up on the, the gospel. God who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus, Scripture says. Uh, Christ says, I am building my church, my kingdom, and the gates of hell I will not stand against it. 